Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to another episode of Training Well Done, your podcast on the what, the why, and the how of quality training. And here I am cracking up. I am with our head coach, Coach Kyla, who is about to tell a story about sloppy joes and sprinting. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we were talking about... Um, are like worst workouts ever and I was like she asked if I had thrown up before and I was like yeah like I remember this one time but I think it was food poisoning so I went to the cafeteria and like if you go I'm not gonna throw pit under the bus but like if you go to certain hot meal sections at pit you probably shouldn't get the food because you know it's probably been sitting there for a minute but I like got either it was like sloppy joe's or like a pork sandwich or something like that and i ate it before practice and the practice was supposed to be easy it was like you know like 560s or something like that and then like one all out 300 and <laughs> we did the 60s i'm like i'm not feeling so good it's so my stomach but i'm like i feel like i shouldn't be feeling this bad and then we're walking over to the 300 line i'm like i think i'm gonna throw up and it Luckily, there's a trash can there, and sorry, TMI, but I projectile vomit into the trash can before the 300, and I have to go home. But it turns out that I'm pretty sure I had, like, a flu or, like, food poisoning that was going around on the team, so... What yeah. time of the day did you eat this? Because, yeah, if you're sitting out, like, <laughs> I imagine, okay, it's sitting out, like, you'll get sick. So, like, it was, like, 4 o'clock when they're about to throw it away? No, it was, like, right before... So, I mean, we had practices normally around, like, 3, so it was probably, like one or something i probably just i don't know <laughs> it should have been still semi-fresh at one yeah no i never i like during that i never did the hot meal section like i always avoided it up until i'm like well, that kind of smells good like maybe i should try it never tried it again after mm. that surprisingly i've only had like two times i know i've thrown up i don't know why i didn't i, I, I promise you, i worked hard when i work out it was this one time and they both happened as adults i never threw up like as a kid or as, even in college mm -hmm. I was the first one, this was like four years ago, I lived in Penn Hills, and I lived on Dashwood Drive. It's a super vertical hill, and I was like, I don't know, I first moved back to Pittsburgh, I think I saw my social work job, and I'd go out in the morning and just do workouts, and so I was doing these hill sprints, and I always advocate that you eat something, it could be a slice of bread, before you work out. I didn't take my advice this morning, and I had seen people throw up from morning workouts that I've done. For years, I had seen people throw up because they ain't eat. Mm -hmm. What did I do? I ran like 60-meter hill sprints on an empty stomach before work. Yo, it was like number five, and my stomach, I said, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> and I was over the toilet calling <laughs> Earl, and I damn near blacked out. <laughs> And I'm just sitting on the bed on the bathroom floor like I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> I knew better than this. Now I gotta go to work with this little stump throw up mouth. Yeah. <laughs> the other time was like during COVID, during 2020. And I don't know why this happened. I was out for a long run. I went for like, I don't know, some several miles. And I'm running down Braddock Avenue, like towards the parkway. And like I'm running and like my stomach just got like in, like instantly just got irritated and like I felt it like in my <laughs> mouth, but I didn't like full on throw, but I'm like spitting it out. <laughs> I'm like, I need to go home. What's <laughs> happening to me? Yeah, I feel like those moments when you're working out, you just feel so helpless. You're like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. So this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, the title of this. Uh, conditioning is more than suicides and mild times. 
And this is actually like one of the first times in a long time I've named the podcast episode before recording it. For those listening, uh, the names always come after. Um, so I just made Flora's job a little bit easier. <laughs> That's the virtual assistant who's been doing these. Um, hardest workout though, Cindy, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about conditioning. The hardest workout I've ever done, I was just telling Kyla this story. In a Slippery Rock, we would do, like, our off-season work, our coach, he was one of those coaches, or, like, a lot of these track coaches, everybody needs to be a good 400-meter runner if we're going to run for them. That's kind of this track coach philosophy of a lot of places. And we would do these paced 500s every fall. We'd have to go, like, at some upper teens to low 20s per uh, second per 100 meters, so, like, 18 seconds every 100 meters around the whole track. Um, and then sometimes we'd do a variation where you had to just do that for 300 meters and sprint the last two. Outdoors, I found this workout pretty good, pretty, not easy, but like very tolerable. But then we like did this indoors and Slipperock has this 200 meter tight, tight track. And then the side, one side has like walls. And so like, it's just, it's, it's hard on the mind. And this one day, I think Coach Nate was punishing us. Was people weren't hitting times. I probably wasn't hitting the time. And we're going around. And normally we only do like three, maybe four. Yo, this day we did like five or six. Bro, it was miserable. And then I think we had to do 300s after that. I didn't tell you that, but I think we had to do like some 300s after that. It was absolutely just miserable. That sounds terrible. And we had a tight, we had the tight 200 meter track as well. And like on the inside, it's like tile or something. And then the outside is a wall. So it's like they told you literally to not ever run in lane one because of how like tight the turn is and you can end up hurting your ankles. So Getting your head on the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I understand that. But um, honestly, like when I was really thinking about it, I want to say some of the hardest workouts were conditioning, but I felt like the hardest workouts were the speed endurance workouts that we did, which are like, we, I felt like I was always running like 100%, but those were the times that she wanted us to hit. And even though like the time or the rest was like longer, I literally felt like I was dying. Like I ran like six races and I can't necessarily say like, I think it was like, I don't know the exact workout probably because my brain blacked it out, but um, it was something like, you know, it was like 300, 250, 200, 250, 100, one, you know, 150, 100. It was like going down all the way to 50 meters. And like we had to hit these like super fast times. And I remember on the last interval, my eyes were closed before I even started it. I was like, <laughs> just like what? standing. Yeah, the coach, are you ready? And I just didn't say anything. I just closed my eyes and then I just take off on the last one. I'm like surprised, but I've definitely had days like that. Yeah, and I was just like, so you feel so lightheaded and sick and you just feel like you can't go anymore, but somehow your legs are managing to keep going. Those were the worst workouts for me. Like hills definitely made you feel like your legs weren't even like moving, like you were dang near walking. But mentally, that was like the toughest one for me. Mm. Hill workouts, I don't know, I always, if you walk into hill workouts in horrible shape, they suck. I feel <laughs> like if you're in good shape, mm -hmm. if you stay in the front, you don't have to like go too, too hard on the hill workouts. Or like, it's just in general, running up the hills, it's totally a fitness thing. Mm -hmm. Yo, we had this one workout. Oh, it was, oh my gosh, it was very hard. And it was four sprints. I almost forgot about this. We did this at indoor too. It was run 200 meters in 25 seconds. And, you know, unless there's somebody that's listening who can run like a 21, 25 seconds is like 
a decent amount of effort. And for me, at the, my PR was like 23 low. And at the time when I was in college, I was not running 23s. 25 was hard. <laughs> and then it was tw- do, the, do the 225, and then you had 30 seconds to rest. And then you had another run, run another 200 as fast as you could. That was hard. Mm-hmm. But what made this worse, because when he, we first started doing this, we only did one. And then practice was like over. So one day he made us do two. We did the 225 second 200, the uh, all out one, 10 minute rest, which is not a long time. And then we had to do it again. Actually, I, I, I usually have meetings and stuff that I'm rushing to after practice. Oh, I ain't rushing nowhere after that practice. Yeah, no, those will take <laughs> everything out of you when you're hitting close to full speed or dang near full speed. Yeah. So, you know, as you're listening to us, I'm sure you're thinking about some of the hard workouts you've done here, listeners. But I want to ask you, um, well, supposed to ask me. <laughs> well, let me ask you, what does conditioning, you know, kind of mean? So when it comes to conditioning, because we all think, uh, conditioning, we have conditioning practice, conditioning, or like, you know, strength and conditioning. What does this mean? And so as far as I'm concerned, just like in a really simple way, uh, it just means to be fit for the sport, the activity, whatever you're doing. It means that you're fit for it. Um, you know, that's a super simple definition, but, you know, that means to have some level of endurance because I don't really know of any sport, I mean, unless you're like a hundred meter athlete, but even then, if you're good, you have to do more. Mm -hmm. I don't know of any sport where you just do something once, like in a very quick bout. So generally always corresponds to some level of endurance. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I would say conditioning is... Pretty much what you're saying, like having all the qualities necessary to perform in your sport. So like whether it's endurance, um, being able to do like repeated sprints, being able to cut under fatigue, like, you know, whatever that might be like that is definitely like when you're, you know, at your peak. Yeah. But I'm thinking about like, you know, playing ultimate frisbee even. There's this conditioning of can I like last the full Mm -hmm. game? Or, you know, for clubs, when you're at, like, tournaments, you got to play, like, multiple games, like, Saturday, or even, like, leagues, like, Saturday night, we have Winter League. I have to be able to play two games in this indoor, and last time I played these two games, I, the second game, I just not as well-conditioned, I'll say that. Yeah. Still played well, but, like, I could not keep going. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And I guess, like, my question is for you, so for those people that are listening, um, how can they kind of, like, approach you know, conditioning and like what are the things that they should look at when they're approaching, you know, conditioning themselves? So in condition, we think about sport and, and how these things work out, right? We talk a lot about these energy systems. Well, I talk about this a lot, you know, with Coach Kyla. But for you, listener, there's three energy systems. And most people, when you think of getting in shape, you think about cardio. Let me get my endurance up. But when we think about endurance, we always just think, oh, cardio, right? Well, there's really like multiple ways to be in shape because if we think about somebody who runs like the 100 meter dash in track and field their type of in shape is to be able to run between you know 10 and 11 12 seconds you know and if you're good you have to be able to do that again and again and again in the course of a day or a couple days whereas if you're a marathoner you have to be able to keep going for hours hours. or if you play like basketball you got to be able to zip up and down the court Mm -hmm. a little bit intensity kind of walking Kind of standing there, up, sprint really hard. I'm trying to dunk on somebody. Mm. And so we have these energy systems, right? Aerobic. 
if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard of aerobic, right? Um, then you have anaerobic, and an means not. I love prefixes and suffixes. Mm -hmm. So anaerobic means without oxygen, and aerobic means with oxygen, right? Um, and when we look at just what these energy systems do, I'm just be brief about this because I'm about to not be brief. When we have aerobic endurance, that just means uh, in regards to breathing in oxygen to produce energy. So you breathe in oxygen, it goes in your lungs, it goes into your bloodstream, it goes to your muscles. Your muscles use the sugar in your body to mix it with the oxygen, and voila, you have energy, aka this thing called ATP that makes your muscles twitch. Um, anaerobic means you do it without that. And actually, most of the time that we're conditioning and we're thinking about the hardest workouts that we're doing, mm -hmm. we're actually doing mostly anaerobic work usually. So anaerobic gets broken down into the other two energy systems. You have this glycolytic system, or some people call it the lactic system. Or as far as you know, what you probably are familiar with, the system that deals with lactic acid, right? That's the big kahuna here. Um, and what happens there when your body's producing energy? You don't use oxygen, or not, it's not the primary breadwinner for you at that moment. You know, if you're trying to sprint down the basketball court. Your body takes the sugar, breaks it down really fast to produce some energy. But as basically as it breaks it down really fast to produce energy, it has a byproduct. Um, and that byproduct uh, results in lactic and it results in acid. Lactic acid, it's a thing that exists, but it's a bit of a misnomer. It's really like you have lactate in your blood, I mean, or in your muscles that goes into your blood. And then the hydrogen, which makes something acidic, builds up in the muscle. But for all intents and purposes, you have lactic acid in your muscles, mm -hmm. right? And that acidity, think about acid. You know, have you ever thrown up and you felt that acid in your throat? Like, that's what's happening in your muscles. And the more that builds up, the less they can function. Mm -hmm. And so you have that system, that pain. Then you have your, what we call like the ATP-PCR system, your phosphocreatine system. And this is about producing, e it, producing energy even faster. So this is like, I'm gonna max deadlift, or I'm gonna sprint a 100 meter dash. This system uh, generates energy really fast. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about how these things interplay, being truly conditioned for sport means working on all three, but depending on what you do, you might need one more than others. If you're like a long distance runner, a biker, a cross country skier, this aerobic piece matters a lot. For all sports and activities, your glycolytic system matters a lot. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of flexibility there. You know, somebody who like plays, I play ultimate frisbee. This is a very, very important thing. When these points that you play go on for like two minutes and you have to be able to run, cut, defend, there's a turnover. Oh my gosh, yo, this hurts. And so I need to be able to train that. And we'll talk about what actually happens when you train in a little bit, but I need to be able to improve that. But even for somebody who runs like 10Ks, you run half marathons, 5Ks, being able to improve this system allows you to run your pace even faster. And then even for that, uh, you know, phosphocreatine system, the more conditioned that is, then the better you can continue to have explosive efforts back to back to back to back. Or even just like, hey, I'm tired late in the game, but the game is on the line and I need to be able to be explosive here. That's the buddy you're going to rely on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's like a great way to explain that you know, honestly, in like a simpler way, um, too. But I know for me, uh, when I was like just learning about them and everything um, so that I could apply it to coaching, I like to classify things in such a simple way. So it's like 
I would ca- classify like, you know, the aerobic energy system. I'd be like, okay, like that's like a marathoner or like a, you know, a long distance runner. Like I would never do that type stuff, you know? And then when you go into like, you know, anaerobic and you go into the glycolytic, I'm like, okay, that's like a 400, 800 meter person or even like a soccer player like type thing. And so like, I'm, you know, obviously it's not one size fits all. You practice all those, you know, energy systems depending on, you know, who you are and what you do. And then, you know, you go into the ATP, PCR system and you're like, okay, so that's like a power lifter or, you know, a hundred meter or 60 meter, you know, sprinter. And so like, that's what helped me kind of remember that. So for those of you who are like, what, what energy systems? Like, I don't get this. That can be like kind of a simple way for you to think about it and then applying, you know, going back and, you know, listening again and applying what Donald says to like these different things and, you know, apply it to your sport. Like what part of your sport do you feel like you're using like each energy system and kind of like break that down in your head? Because I know that's like helped me kind of look at it in that way. And then when, you know, I think about creating workouts for other people, I'm like, okay, so what is required of that athlete to be able to perform well? And then you can break it down as they like, you know, continue to get in shape. Thank you for being the people's champ. Cause like, I could have just said that. <laughs> <laughs> And like, so I was watching this podcast earlier, and this guy, that what the fuck gym talk guy that I listened mm-hmm. to, like he did a podcast with these other people, and they talked about humor, whatever. And the lady talked about there's these coaches out who make content. Some of them want to like show you how badass their training in their gym are, and the other ones want to show you how smart they are. And I keep trying to not go into the second category, but I just be over explaining. So thank you. No, it's okay because I mean it's important. Like, what if somebody already knew like what I knew, right? Then they want to get that extra step of understanding. Then they're gonna go to what you're saying. So you know, nope. it's a little bit of a balance here. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um. What, like, when we look at these, you know, energy systems, so we have three of these things, right? No, just put that turn. Do you have low power mode on? No. Oh. Yeah, but it's okay. I have plenty. Yeah. <laughs> I have plenty of clicks. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we look at, you know, these energy systems, right, we have this aerobic system. What happens when we, like, actually, let's think about this in the sense of a team sport, mm-hmm. right? You play basketball. I play ultimate frisbee right now. The sports are not the same, but they're actually rather similar in certain ways. When we do, when we work on our aerobic system, like, what are we, why does that even matter? Like, what happens when we improve that? When we improve our aerobic system? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you just, you are able, you're capable of, you know, going for longer. So, like, obviously, you know, if you don't train your aerobic system, you're going to run out of breath really quickly. You're not going to be able to, like, for example, like, running a mile without stopping, right? Like, once you're able to train to a point or like work your way up to a point where, you know, you feel good and you can run a mile without stopping, then you like increase that. Then it's like, okay, how fast can I run this mile without stopping type of thing? So it's like you're able, your heart gets stronger, one, right? Your heart gets stronger, you're able to pump more blood into your your body so that your muscles can function. Um, But also, right, like you're able to like with oxygen as you were saying with like the aerobic system like you're able to you know last for longer it's like honestly that's the best way that i can explain it um how would you describe it so i mean definitely you get the heart getting stronger you get more of the blood to the muscles and which means you get more oxygen there so a little piece about this aerobic system y'all this actually produces the most energy it's just that the anaerobic system can do it way faster which is, you know, great for the analogy of the marathoner and the sprinter because, like, they're going to run way more 
but the Spurs is going to cover the ground mm-hmm. so much faster. It's a little bit of ground. And so the big benefit for aerobic training, when we think about being able to produce more energy, is being able to recover between things faster. So in, when we start, when we're just sitting here, like we're recording, our aerobic system's primarily at work, doing everything for us. But if me and Coach Kyle were to go downstairs, go to the basketball court, start engaging in a game, within the next minute and a half, two minutes, or, uh, you know, within that first, no, I'm sorry, within that first minute to two, our glycolytic system, this lactic acid system, is going to kick into gear. Um, and then we're going to start breathing hard after a while because there's this oxygen debt that begins to happen. When you start being very explosive, and this is why you're actually out of breath. When you start moving really explosively or really fast, like let's say you just walked up the stairs, um, especially like Slippery Rock where it's all hills everywhere. Or all of you live in Pittsburgh. So you walked up the stairs, walked up the hills, and now you're out of breath. You just actually use that lactic system to actually help you do that, and now you have to pay the oxygen back. Mm-hmm. When you do any activity that is more than just like running at a slow mile pace, you start to owe oxygen debt. And the better conditioned your aerobic system is, the faster you can pay off that debt. It's like having, uh, I would consider this aerobic system like having a very fat salary, but you only get paid like, uh, you don't get paid that often. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's actually the best analogy, I just made that up. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you do this thing, you have to pay this oxygen back. When we play a sport, and I just like sprinted up and down the court for the last 30 seconds, if my aerobic system is very poorly developed, then I can't actually get enough energy built back in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be able to flush out the dirt and the grime that's in my muscles that just happened from what I just did, and I have to replenish it with energy. The more developed it is, and the more energy you can get back. Okay. Yeah, no, that's actually, that is a more simpler way to explain it. Like, I know you said you were, like, creeping into that, you know, trying to sound smart. But, no, that's, like, a perfect way. Um, and, like, you know, the your ability to recover and then the oxygen debt part. Like, everyone understands debt. Most of us are in it. So, <laughs> so like, that's definitely something simple. Um, then I guess with that said, like, how do you go about, like, training these different systems? So, we'll start with the aerobic one and we'll talk about the other ones in a second. Aerobic one is the best, well, the way to primarily work on that is through these long, slow distance bouts. You can improve it during interval work, but interval work is reserved for something special. But, like, if you just go out, literally go for, like, a 30-minute walk and you don't walk very slow, you can get some aerobic benefit. You go out and run five miles right now, you can get some aerobic benefit. Because what it does is... And it, very quickly, just makes your heart stronger. You know, if you look at you look at your arm, I'm a pretty skinny guy, so I'm looking at my forearm right now to see veins on veins on veins. Is there a, uh, that whatever that noise was out there just timed so well with me seeing veins on mm-hmm. veins on veins. Anyways, so your veins get smaller and smaller and smaller until they become these things called capillaries, where that's where the arteries also do the same thing, and that's where the blood, oxygen, all the things that happen in your body happen in the capillaries. And when you do aerobic training, your body literally makes more of these. It's amazing. It's like, you know, uh, PennDOT makes more roads. No, they don't, they let bridges fall. But like, your body actually makes more of these things. And so the more of them you have and the stronger your heart is, the more oxygen you can get to your muscles. So with this glycolytic system, so this is the one, this is the big kahuna, right? And we'll, I'll spend a little bit more time on this. Um, 
your actually no. The goal of training this glycolytic system is literally to get your body to clear lactic acid faster. That's almost entirely it. It is so. What happens is right. Uh, all of you take you took science class, and that was a stupid question. Remember when you did science class mm -hmm. and you had to do the volcano experiment? Yeah. We had the acid and you had to pour the baking soda, right? Um, something like that happens. I don't actually know if that's a great analogy because no, your muscles don't explode. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> they tighten up. <laughs> they tighten up. Here's what happens, right? You have this acidic buildup in your muscles. Your body takes its own baking soda, quite literally, and just dumps it in your muscles. And when your body dumps the baking soda in there, it turns this lactic acid into, uh, I think it's called bicarbonate, and it turns it into water uh, and oxygen. And then it, no, it turns it into water and carbon dioxide, which you breathe off. So you work really hard, you build this acid up, your body says, I'm going to snow some baking soda in your muscles, and then it turns into this other compound called bicarbonate. Don't worry about it, it just leaves. And then carbon dioxide, which then you breathe it off. So when you're breathing hard, you're breathing off the lactic acid in a sense. In, in, in a sense. Um, when you get better conditioned, you learn how to, your body is able to do that better. So then you can actually tolerate more acid burn. We have this thing we call lactic threshold. And so as you do more training, the threshold goes up, which is why when you are, like I'm playing Ultimate Frisbee, as I get in better shape like that, I can tolerate more longer points. I can tolerate more back and forth in the course of a game because I don't have to hit that wall when you're training in track, right? If you're running the 400, the better the system gets trained, the later it's gonna be when you hit the wall or when you hit the wall, it's not as much of a wall. Instead of it being a brick wall, it's kind of like drywall. Um, or when it comes to like running, you know, longer distance, like 5Ks, half marathons, when you can increase that threshold, that allows you to actually pick up the pace because it's gonna take more work for you to hit that same threshold point. How do we improve that? Well, intervals. As athletes, we've all done intervals. What kind of intervals like did you do like for basketball when you guys were getting in shape for that? Ooh, um, a lot of, I mean, we had a few different ones. Um, I know like we had this like five and 65 where we had to do like five down and backs in 65 seconds. Um, well, it's like one, two, three, like on the opposite side of the court counts as like one. Um, you know, we did a lot of, um, you know, they, they call them like X's. Basically like you run up a football field and then like sprint diagonally, then like run up a football field and sprint diagonally. So it's like a version of running intervals, but obviously it's not like, you know, five 100s in a row or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like those were like the main things we did. We did, we actually did do a lot of suicides and things called championships, which is basically a suicide on steroids. Oh, what was, um, do tell. Yeah, so it's basically, uh, so like, you know, full court, and back and then you go free opposite free throw line and back then you go three point line and back then you go half court line and back then the other three point line and back free throw back and then like you're done but like it was like the whole thing and then you had to do that like multiple times oh yeah <laughs> so it's like every line on the court you basically had to hit bruh <laughs> my heart hurts yeah i need a snack mm -hmm. i'm tired thinking about that yeah it was a lot 
but we also had a college coach as our, our high school coach at the time. So Were y'all good? Um, we, we could have been better than what we were, but we just didn't have teammates that cooperated with each other very well. All them suicides just Yeah, stopped. we were the best. We were the most in shape team. I can tell you we weren't tired at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, there's various ways to do this. In distance running, you know, we've had our cross-country kids will go out and do, like, K repeats on the outside track. We'll do repeat 400s. Even for like short sprinters, we might go ahead and run a bunch of 50 meter sprints uh, on short intervals. Or this even can creep into some of that speed endurance work in a, in a very tracky sense where you might go like 250 meters or like really fast 150s where this system largely kicks in after the first 10 seconds of you doing something. So. If you are like going out as fast as you possibly can, and this is very much in a track sprinting sense, or even like let's say you're the sixth person coming off the bench in basketball, or like the ultimate, and you're out there and you don't get to play a lot, and this is your point to get mm-hmm. to play, you're probably going to f- end up falling into this category, where like you go as hard as you can for that point or the you know little bit of time that you're on there because you know it ain't coming that much, uh, or if it's like you know easier way, you're running the four hundred. You go out, after the first 10 seconds, this glycolytic system kicks in. And you have really like the next 30 seconds, maybe a minute, if you really curb your pace down, before you tap out. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to you know track, you're running as fast as you can. So there's easier to time. And usually you're going to hit that wall in like 30 to 40 seconds if you go out as hard as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because the... As you keep going, the energy demand keeps going up, but your ability to produce it drops because you produce it really fast, but like then you can't keep going. Mm -hmm. And so your muscles shut down because they're literally not getting enough energy and your legs get dead heavy. And so part of that fitness is being able to improve that. When you go out and you're six man on the court and your coach said, all right, you took, you know, one of the good players just like did something stupid or they're just like resting because it's like the late in the third quarter. And so you go in and you're just like going ham and your legs are so heavy, that's what's happening. I've had that happen to me in Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah, so would you say like the, I guess the one phrase way uh, for the glycolytic is like your ability to tolerate like the pain that comes when you're running or like performing or would you kind of elaborate more? If you had to like put it to one phrase, how would you say that? Your ability to tolerate pain. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually great. (laughs) And then lastly, we have this uh, phosphocreatine system which really conditioning for that is the ability to be very explosive over and over and over again and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. We have some athletes who are like one and done. I remember this kid I used to coach. Um, She was really fast. She she was good for one race. One race. (laughs) And that was it. And I was like so confused, but like, you know, she wasn't about to be running these repeat twos. It wasn't even that she couldn't handle those because she could... She wasn't great with those either. But like even racing, she just could race once. And I had other kids who, you know, and mind you, this was a basketball player. So like this kid was in shape to go up and down. I might have been mental, whatever. But like, you know, there's races on the line. People compete, didn't mm-hmm. have it. And I had other kids who like, they could literally PR in three races in the wow. same day. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen all the time. Sometimes yeah. like two races, but like they could literally pull that off because their ability to be explosive like was there uh, you know or even like running rounds in the hundred right you have you know you see you see athletes who they run 
prelim semis finals and some of them run faster and faster each round mm -hmm. and like not just like the superstars who are coasting i mean people who are really trying their all um we think about in the in the um in the 300 in the 400 meter hurdles at the olympics mm -hmm. um you know all three of those guys that they ran like lifetime prs and they set com country rec they all set national records lifetime prs mm -hmm. and the one guy set the olympic world record but they really ran that race like three times over the last, over that like half a week. Yeah. And you know, okay, it's one lap, woohoo. It's 10 hurdles, one lap running at world-class speed, it's very hard. Mm -hmm. And for most of us mere mortals, if we ran 400 meters over hurdles as hard as we possibly could, we might need another week before we could even attempt to run that fast mm -hmm. again. It might be sore for the next four days, even if you're in shape. And so um, when it comes to even like playing basketball, playing ultimate, can you be explosive at the end of the competition in the fourth quarter? Can you still be explosive then? And, you know, yeah, your aerobic system plays a role in that. This lactic system plays a role in that. But this, this phosphocreatine system plays a role in that. And really, just to give you the quick biology of that, so we have this thing called ATP, which is like essentially energy. Your body breaks it like a Twix bar, and when it breaks, it releases energy. And, you know, in chemistry, you break chemical bonds, energy gets released. So you use the sugar in your body and it breaks it down and turns it into this ATP and it sits on your muscle, like literally just sits there and like does a thing where it kind of binds it together. And when your muscles move, it snaps it. Well, this phosphocreatine system is actually the reason it's so explosive. It's the resting energy that sits on your muscles. Because mm -hmm. if, if you if you noticed over the course of this, uh, you know, the show, aerobic system has to generate the energy your glycolytic system or lactic system has to generate the energy, just does it faster. This phosphocreatine system, the energy is already there for that first bout, and then it actually generates it even faster from like the remains of that. So it uses what's very locally there and just quickly generates it, boom, but it runs out within 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you teach your body how to be able to improve that as well. Okay, yeah, no, that makes, um since then, I guess, like, with that, then what type of workout? Like, if you could give, like, an example workout to train oh. that system, what would you? What would you? Um, so, in, in the gym, is a great example. Like, heavy sets of, like, three, under five, five, okay, it's on the upper end. Uh, but heavy sets, um, you know, or, like, when it comes to sprint, heavy sets being, like, sets of two, three, four, five singles, where you have to be maximally... Uh, working to do each set when it comes to running it's doing like full speed sprints like 10s 20s and 30s maybe 40s but it also depends on how fast you're like, slow running 40s is not that explosive so mm -hmm. like 10 20s 30s you know maybe 40s doing really explosive cuts um, and it's also signified by having long rest I mean, you can you you can do like 60 and 80 meter sprints as well so like you know max speed work um, you can do like almost 100 meter sprints and still mainly be taxing this system. The important part is you get a lot of rest because if you don't rest enough, then your body's going to go into this lactic system, which, mm -hmm. you know, there's a way to blend all that training together. But if you're particularly trying to just focus on this, you need long rest. Yeah, that makes sense. And this question actually just like popped up in my head. But like when we think about the concept of like sprinters, you know, I've been thinking about this concept since I've been working here because we work with a lot of like distance runners um, is like when it comes to training that system, it's like, how can you tell like, you know, a long distance runner that it's beneficial to still train that system when they're not necessarily like 
from you know from the outside eye like you know using that in their races necessarily um do you like to get passed up at the end of a race <laughs> i don't i like to be the one passing people and i always do yeah no because yeah that's what i was thinking i was like right when we finish at the end like you need to be able to use that burst and you know at, of energy at the end but also be explosive and you know i think of that when it you know comes to our one specific athlete um you know this girl that we've been training for a while and you know something clicked in her head about training and now she's like buying more into her um you know like her lifting and even just like sprinting form and technique and all this and uh, me and Coach Benny, we were looking at her the other day, and I was like, wow, like, she looks explosive, and she's just starting to buy more into, you know, training in the 400 even, because she knows that it'll make, like, her 800 better, even make your mile better, right? Like, even though that's not necessarily, like, her main event. Oh, at the meet that I was at a Slippery Rock, mm-hmm. she totally passed some girl up at the end. I was like, okay. Yeah. That's not a thing she normally does, especially not at that speed. Yeah, so, like, I just want to kind of think of that as a reminder that, you know, even what you were telling me, it's like, each system isn't like a rigid, like hard only train this system or hard only train this system. Um, so can you, I guess like to close out it, how would you explain um, to people that it's not like training one system at a time, it's, you know, different things that come together. God, I want to be a dork so bad right now. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna explain this in two examples. I just, so it exists on a spectrum, right? So light, I'm obsessed with light. <laughs> I tried to teach a toddler once about the electromagnetic spectrum. Bear with me. So on one end of the spectrum, we have, like, so we can see light, invisible light. It's like somewhere, like, kind of on the lower end of the middle of the light spectrum. We can see this little piece of light. And, you know, we're training an energy system. We can try to just target that. But the thing is, when you go outside, you look outside, actually all the spectrums of light are there. You just can't see them all. They're all happening at the same time. And energy systems, they all work together while we're sitting here recording this podcast. Even if I wasn't waving my arms around so dramatically, because that's how I actually talk, which is mostly probably this high energy system making my arms move around because I'm going to get tired very quickly here. Even if I was just sitting here, that uh, glycolytic system, that uh, fossil creatine system are working. But even when we're sprinting in the hundred your aerobic system's still working. It's just not the main breadwinner of the energy you're using. So if you think about this like electromagnetic spectrum, on one end you have like x-rays or radio waves. Radio waves are, they're not slow. They just have these super long wavelengths that like in my head they're slow. They're just low energy light. And on the far other side, you have gamma rays, which if you get hit with a gamma ray, you're going to get cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> without a doubt. And these wavelengths are like not even microscopically small. And when we think about like, you know, light moves in a wave, it's mi- not even microscopically small. It's like the size of a cell, which is why you get cancer. Radio waves are like, I think like 400, like 100 meters long in the wavelength. It's wild. So at any rate, but they're all happening at the same time. When a star shines, all that light comes out at once. It's just what light are you focusing on? Mm-hmm. You can change the lens and do all that. Um, hopefully that was great. I don't really have another analogy actually, but they, they all happen at the same time. It's just a matter of when you're training or when you're competing really, because this doesn't matter, it's competition. Mm-hmm. When you're competing, which one matters the most? If you are running the 200 meter dash or you're playing a game of basketball, having the best aerobic system on the court 
it's not that beneficial. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, uh, but on the same point, if you were somebody trying to go run three miles right now, and all you got is speed and power, and you know, you got this great alactic system, but you, your aerobic sucks, you're not gonna win that race, buddy. Mm-hmm. You're not. Yeah. No, that makes, no, that's a good way to explain it. And, you know, I just wanna like remind everybody that um, also be realistic with where you're at in your training. Like, you can't just, you know, never run at all and then just go out and try to sprint 100 full speed because you might end up pulling a muscle or, you know, hurting your body. Um, I mean, unless you're like in a, you know, pretty good shape, then you won't pull anything. But it's just like, you know, I, even as like we get older and we're, you know, going away from, these like very high competitions on a regular basis. Who? You? You. You don't compete at high competitions on a regular basis. I'm so offended. <laughs> not right I now. I get paid to pay ultimate frisbee. But not right now. <laughs> so you take breaks from training. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Yeah. So <laughs> when we take those breaks, right, just reminding yourself that you can't just bounce back like you're a 16 year old. I mean, if you're a 16 year old kid, then you probably can, but like, and you're listening to this, but just a reminder like, you can't, you know, be realistic with your body and you can't just bounce back like a 16 year old kid and start doing stuff. Uh, but, you know, just kind of be patient. You know, start your training early if you're unsure of like where to start and work your way up. Um, just to not gas myself up here, <laughs> I am like a bottom player on this team. I'm not like some star. It's like lunch money. I don't even like to put it in my accounting. I don't even think I fill out a 1099 because not enough. So like, <laughs> let me make that clear. <laughs> um, also, fun fact though, when you detrain, you become more explosive. Oh, I didn't know that. Your muscle fibers actually switch slightly towards fast twitch. And like the first day out, this I'm, I'm, I know this had to happen to you or somebody listening. You stopped doing something for a long time and you go out and you did it and you're not in shape and you like bawled out that day and you're like, oh, I still got it. But then you start trying to do it regularly and then you don't have it anymore because the moment you start actually getting fit and start training, that muscle, the, the things change. But you can do that one effort, that one good time from not being trained, but you might still get hurt. Yeah, and you're going to feel that for the next week. Yeah, I'm 100% at that moment because you're like, let me just see if I can still do this just for like an ego boost. And then you're like, all right. And then you, yeah, you end up sore for like, like what happened to my hip? Like, what did I do? Like, you're like, I just ran one sprint. Like, ow. You know, that happened to me like when I started like consistently lifting now because like I go to like Coach Kyla's workouts and our other coaches' workouts. There was the one I did uh, the six by five mm-hmm. workout. And, you know, I, Admittedly, listeners, I haven't been lifting that much. I mean, right now, as a day of this recording, I have been pretty consistent. But, like, we're talking, like, December, November. And I did one of these high-intensity workouts we gave our kids. I was sore for six days. It was horrible. And it was, like, five exercises. Yeah. yeah. So, um, thanks for joining. Uh, of course. I hope you got some, uh, you know, this is entertaining. You got some good out of this. Um, learned some good stuff. Make sure you share this with a friend. Make sure you like, subscribe. And share this podcast with a teammate, with somebody you know, uh, with another coach. Um, cool. We'll see you on the next time of Training Well Done. Oh, wait. We have, like, tidbits. This podcast is sponsored by Global Human Performance, so we have to, like, plug in some stuff. Coach Kyla has an ebook. Yes, a sports mindfulness ebook. So as much as we talk about training 
your legs, you need to train your mind because when that, you know, lactic buildup is like starting to come and you need to push through and finish that race, that's when everybody's mind takes over. So that person that has that extra grit or is training that extra grit in their head, they're probably going to end up finishing first if you were to, you know, compare two athletes with the same athletic ability. So that is just as important and it's a beginner guide. So it's just, you know, some simple things that you can start to learn more about your mind, um, to learn more about how, you know, you can use these strengths and then, you know, capitalize on honestly using your weaknesses for things that are going to benefit you for training as well. Um, definitely download it. Yeah, check it out on the website, www.ghperformance.com. It's on the resources tab. You also see another ebook on there, 10 exercises to eliminate running pain, common exercises that we use to help with reducing incidence of, you know, ankle and knee and hip issues. Uh, not going to fix everything, but it's something that you should put into your training regimens. And then we'll have another one coming. There's a lot of new news coming soon, but I will uh, win the victory before you declare the war. So I will tell you when those things are ready. Um, peace out. Holla. You stay safe out there.